Welcome to the new flat rate podcast. We started out as a contracting family and now we teach technicians how to sell and give contractors practical tools for their toolkit. For more information about what we do, check us out at tnfr.us. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Danielle Putnam, president of The New Flat Rate, and in this episode, I'll be joining my friend Rob Matheny from Reliability Home Services. He has a location in Maryland and also Pennsylvania, and Rob's going to be sharing with us not only some great tips, but just some good deep dive thinking as to being a contractor and how to build more freedom in your business. Check out the conversation. Police Officer Joe found a perfect hiding place for watching for speeding motorists. One day, the officer was amazed when everyone was under the speed limit. So Joe investigated and found the problem. Ten-year-old Dennis was standing on the side of the road with a huge hand-painted sign, which said, Radar Trap Ahead. A little more investigative work led the officer to the boy's accomplice, another boy about a 100 yards beyond the radar trap with the sign reading, Tips, and a bucket at his feet full of change. If you like stories like that, you'll enjoy Storytime with TNFR. Stay tuned to the end of the episode, and that's where I share the segments called Storytime with TNFR. In that segment, I'll tell you real stories about real people with real businesses and how the new flat rate helped. Hi, my name is Danielle Putnam. I'm the president of the new flat rate, and I'm excited to introduce you to a friend of mine, Rob Matheny. Hi. Thank you for inviting me, Danielle. Thanks for being here today, Rob. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Good. I'd like the world to learn a little bit more about you today. And a few things about Rob is he is a contractor. He is also a consultant. He's a business coach with The New Flat Rate. He's a published author. If you have not read Be a Service Ninja, it's a terrific book, but it's not your only book. Oh, yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a poetry book, too. Because I had the time and it was fun and I, my daughter is a big poetry fan and wants to write her own poetry so I contributed to that by writing my own and telling her look how easy it is to get published. Just got to do it. Very cool. I love how you say look how easy it is. So many people want to become published but they don't do it. They don't do the pre-work. Um, I, I think it's a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, fear of rejection and fear of the amount of time that you have to put in to do it. Yes, fear of time is a big deal. Today, I would love to talk about, when it comes to time, freedom, and the freedom that you have found. So as I listed a minute ago, Rob has a contracting company up in Maryland, but also has time. And Pennsylvania, two branches. Two branches. Maryland, Pennsylvania, runs those, and also has time to do training and coaching with the new flat rate, and ride-alongs, and training off-site with our members and customers all around the U.S., so tell me a little bit about where you started, how so, you've grown your career. So um, I, when most kids were reading, uh, reading like Lord of the Flies, I was reading stuff like Rich Dad Poor Dad, growing up, you know. And so I was really, I re- was really well studied by the time I left to go into the Navy, which mm-hmm. was when I turned 18 years old. And I had saved up a bunch of money and gave my par- my parents money to hold for me and put into a stock called Intel, which back then was a little nothing stock, but I had done a little research on the company and I thought it was going to be a big deal. Turns out it was a big deal, but my parents didn't want me to waste my money, so they never actually invested it for me. So when I got back from the Navy, I was like, whoa, I want my money back. They're like, um, you know, 
here's your uh, few thousand dollars back. Oh, wow. Instead of the $150,000 that it should have been. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was just a good guess. But either way, I, I, I uh, eventually went into trade work, and uh, then I started my own business, um, sort of by accident. Mm -hmm. um, my, I had a helper who was a helper of mine for about a year and a half as a mechanic, and it was right after 9-11, um, he was Iranian, and the country, the sentiment turned really against anybody from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And so my boss fired him within two weeks of 9-11 because oh, wow. people didn't want him in their house. Mm -hmm. I thought it was wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and so I quit too. Mm -hmm. And I got hired as a subcontractor, and then I got another job and another one and another one. And then, you know, I had to bring on people to help me. Mm -hmm. do all this work and then um, you know I found that I had no time for anything else mm -hmm. that was the only thing that was in my life just working 12 14 16 hours a day mm -hmm. and I discovered that it ha there had to be a different better way right and a, and a lot of the ways I overcame a lot of that stuff is by uh, creating processes and automating mm -hmm. processes in my company mm -hmm. um, so that problems could resolve themselves and picking up good people, mm -hmm. good, strong people to help you, mm -hmm. right? And uh, they're out there. Mm -hmm. You just got to look for them and you got to help nurture them and make them, you know, get them to where they need to be. You do. I hear it all the time. I know you hear it too. I see it on all the blogs. Everybody's always saying, I can't find people. I can't find people. It's like this siren that never stops. And we're all almost tired of hearing it. Oh, I can't find people. Because everybody's saying it. But here you're saying they are out there. Is there a way that you have found that kind of helps you find those people? Well, yeah. More so than other ways? So you have to be proactive mm -hmm. with, your, with your list. So most people aren't looking to hire somebody until they need somebody. Mm -hmm. If you open up your hiring all the time, and I know that's a pretty scary thing for a guy who is, you know, one or two trucks on the road. Mm -hmm. If you say, I'm going to hire all the time, and you are interviewing anytime somebody applies, mm -hmm. and you are talking to guys in school, and you're going on like ZipRecruiter and Indeed, and you're proactively searching out resumes and bringing mm -hmm. people in for interviews, um, you'll cut a lot of those problems out. Hmm. Right, so they'll just kind of go away if you just keep uh, keep looking all the time. You'll find that if somebody does put in their two weeks notice, or you end up having to let somebody go for mm -hmm. cause, that there is four other people standing in line. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a big part of it. Yes. Just constantly being proactive about it. Mm -hmm. Now that that's not to say it doesn't take effort because mm -hmm. it does. You you have to put in the effort and the work to mm -hmm. constantly search for people. Right, but you do. Uh, I, I think that that's really important. I'm a big fan of that, so I appreciate what you're saying. Even if you're a one and two man truck uh, outfit and operation, you still need to be looking so that you have that backlog and that pipeline of potential new team members when you need them mm -hmm. and when you're ready to grow. Um, an exercise that I've been working on lately is where do you want your business to be in six months from now? And that's kind of difficult, right? Well, oh, we want X amount of revenue or, oh, we want, you know, a different building or, you know, whatever it is. But if you start with your org chart and you take a look at your org chart and you look at all right, what are the, my biggest pains in my business right now and what could somebody really help with? Thinking six months out, I like to use the org chart, take my pains, 
and then start putting people in positions to help me know, A, I'm always recruiting, and B, when I find that perfect candidate, I'm going to have a spot for them and I know where they're going to be. Well, I, I have a similar philosophy, but I, I feel like this. If the right person walks through the door, you hire them. Regardless. And then you find something for them to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you find something for mm-hmm. them to do. Right? And it, it, you could hire them when you don't need them mm-hmm. and find a way to make it work, or you could try to hire them when you do need them. And most likely, here's the thing about people who are really good employees, mm-hmm. they're mostly employed. Mm-hmm because they're so good mm-hmm. at being a good employee. Mm-hmm. So you have a choice of taking them when you when it's convenient for them or trying to get lucky when it's convenient for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, and it's also a function of marketing, right? Like yes. how your company markets itself also attracts people to, the, to mm-hmm. your company. If they feel that there's a message that your company fits, mm-hmm. they will apply to that company because they believe in that message. Mm-hmm. Um, in Baltimore, we do a lot of charity work. Um, I mean, a lot because um, me and my wife are very passionate about it. Um, she's more passionate than me, but <laughs> and, but we do it constantly, right? She's a uh, she sits on the board of a uh, a soup kitchen called Soup for the Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, she sits on a rec council for kids sports. Um, very cool. And we have two foster children and I mean you know a lot about mm-hmm. us you know we stay pretty busy yeah don't you have do you have two biological children and two foster children we have three biological okay. children three and mm-hmm. then two foster children two, my two oldest daughters are grown now okay so five children and then Amy your wife Amy works with you in the business right yes she does she, tell she, us a little bit about that well, Amy is the general manager now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm what they call the operations manager. So I come in and I manage the numbers. Mm-hmm. She manages all the, uh, you know, all the things that happen in the business mm-hmm. from week to week and day to day. She makes sure the bills get paid. She makes sure that we collect everything we need to collect. Mm-hmm. She makes sure that uh, the calls are getting dispatched right through our office. Mm-hmm. She makes sure that the installations are going correctly through the, the install manager. And so I have a very loose connection where I'm, I'm there periodically. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Amy does a lot of the heavy lifting there to mm-hmm. make sure that the managers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's become what my job mainly is, is to come in and make sure those managers are mm-hmm. doing the jobs that they're supposed to be doing. And yeah. um, instead of going out and trying to manage every tech, every time somebody's turning a screw in a house, I'm trying to manage the overall right like mm-hmm. I manage this person who's the uh, who's well I manage Amy and mm-hmm. I deal with the managers mm-hmm. and she deals with the managers on a daily basis I deal with the managers on an overall plan you know very good you know something that I, I'd love to dive into just for a second if you don't mind anytime I've ever spoken with you and you bring up your wife Amy it's always in such a positive and complimentative manner and what I love about that is you actually work together in the same business, so it's a family business that you've built and continue to build together, and you're working together, and it's never, uh, uh, I've never heard any animosity or any negative things come out of your mouth in, in terms of your wife and your business partner, and that's incredible. And I know a lot of uh, our customers, members, friends, uh, a lot of people on this podcast episode that are listening in today 
have family businesses, work with their spouses. Some are still working out of their homes with their spouses. Some of them have moved on and actually have a shop off-site. But how, how do you do it? Well, uh, to be honest, it is uh, sometimes we have to step back and have a talk, right? Like mm -hmm. we have to step back and have honest conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I, she's not always going to agree with me. And I'm not <laughs> always going to agree with her. Uh -huh. And we are both um, stubborn people, mm -hmm. right? Like I want a certain thing and she wants a certain thing. And uh, that we have to basically sit down and talk it out and find out what is the actual best way to handle it. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of that ha has to do with overall how we deal with money a lot of times because I will yes. see opportunity and money and ways to make it and she will see that as opposed to the heart of the company which is, mm -hmm. you know, taking care of people. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I can lose that perspective mm -hmm. and she's like, "No, no, no. You can't do that to people." Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's it's a lot of talking and compromising yeah. and and understanding each other mm -hmm. you know it, it's hard though because it makes the work carry on till we get home right you know you, you probably have that in your family yes if you've ever been mad at matt or rodney i'm yeah. sure that it carries over to the thanksgiving dinner table you know we've been so fortunate matt rodney and i have all three different personalities and it's so rare. I, I don't know that we've ever really fought or had major disagreements because our personalities and our positions are so different. But where we do have to step back from is anytime we have a family gathering, the three of us tend to cluster together and talk about work. And spouses and kids and everybody else in the family, they don't want to hear work all the time. And so that's where we have to really draw the line and say, hey, let's find things in common to talk about besides just work so that we can include everybody that's in the room. That's something we've had to constantly work on. We've done something very similar over the years, um, but a lot, uh, the, probably what the difference uh, is that, you know, my wife said to me that I need to get a couple hobbies and do that. And one of them was like, uh, I just, I bought a ukulele about a year ago and started playing that. Awesome. And um, I started golfing again, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I started hanging out with a couple of my friends on the weekends. Um, and then she loves doing be like going down to Baltimore City and mm -hmm. handing out sandwiches underneath the bridge. I know it sounds like oh, it's, awesome. but it's a very different type of yeah. um, you know want mm -hmm. that she has than what I have. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have a very I have a big craving for social interaction, right? Like I need mm -hmm. to be around people. I need to be able to talk. I need mm -hmm. to be able to you know communicate with people. Yeah. She has a big need to serve people, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so. That's she also you know takes care of me because of that. Mm -hmm. Of course. So she is an amazing person. Yeah. I, I, I she's a huge fan of yours too. Oh, you know? she's wonderful. But you see exactly what what I was meaning earlier when I said Rob is always complimenting his wife, and I think more of us need to do that. I think it's just wonderful. You should compliment your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Um, okay, let's talk about processes for a minute too. Because of the freedom that you've built up in your business right now, and you're able to step away and do things like travel and train with the new flat rate, and uh, work with us and our members, and keep your contracting business running, and your family uh, time with them, what kind of processes have you set that are automated in your contracting business? Okay, so if any. So, um, for example, in my, my business, my, mm -hmm. okay, so in the contracting business, I, I give one, a pretty good example in this book. Um, 
one of them was there was a time when our office couldn't keep up with the invoices that were coming in, mm -hmm. right? And what we had found is that they had to enter them on one end and then enter them in a QuickBooks separately. And then they had to go all the way around the entire building to print off a file, get the parts for the printout, go over here, get a file, get over, go over here and get, a, get the holes punched. And for some reason, we had this stuff spread out mm -hmm. and it took uh, about nine minutes to make one file which doesn't seem like it's that long, but when you're handling, when you have, you know, six yes. texts in the field times five appointments, mm -hmm. that's 30 times nine, mm -hmm. that's now 270 minutes mm -hmm. that one person's trying to make files for, mm -hmm. and that's five hours out of the day just making files. Right. So I kind of, once I seen that, I said, okay, we have to automate this process. First mm -hmm. off, we gotta get a dispatch software that can tie directly to our uh, accounting software mm -hmm. like we can't have two different softwares so we signed up for field edge and everything links directly into quickbooks now terrific right um so now they don't have to enter it twice mm -hmm. then we bought everybody a hole punch and created a little station at everybody's desk where they had all the files and all the materials they needed to put these files and then we moved the copier into the room of course with those people mm -hmm. it sounds like such a simple solution yeah but it got it all the way down to right around two minutes Right. Right? Two minutes to put the whole file together. Yeah. And you know, it's easy away. to step back now and say, oh, it sounds so easy. You know, we're looking at it, you and I, with the 30,000-foot view of this uh, system that was inefficient, and you needed to tighten up those efficiencies, cut down the time, and make it more automated, and you went from nine minutes to two minutes for that process. But in the busy day-to-day, -day, how many things are like that. That was a great example in our businesses and they drive us crazy every day and we're not taking the few minutes to look at it from the 30,000 foot view to fix it and to tweak it and to set a process. So simple, right? But we get so busy in our day to day. But you actually took the time, solved that, and then now you can enjoy those extra seven minutes. But you find those, you find those seven minutes in so many places mm -hmm. in your business. There was a great book by a guy named Paul Akers called mm -hmm. The Two Second Lean. Not written really well, mm -hmm. but the points are really well articulated in there. That each, each thing is just a couple seconds that you can take off your day, a little mm -hmm. bit at a time. He talks about hanging a light in his, um, in his uh, closet mm -hmm. because every day he would go down, he would reach into his closet, grab some clothes, go down to the bathroom, put them on. Mm -hmm. And then realized they didn't match because he was trying to grab in the dark because his wife was sleeping. So then he'd go back up and he'd do this two or three times oh, and it cost him like 10 minutes a day. Yeah, it's painful to think about. Yeah. So he just put a light, a tap light in mm -hmm. the closet. So he'd open up his closet, hit the tap light, and he could find exactly what he wanted to wear. Mm -hmm. So those little inefficiencies in everybody's business, it's there. And once yeah. you start to create a process to solve each problem mm -hmm. before it becomes a problem, it makes it so you have less work mm -hmm. and you become more of a manager of processes and getting people to know the process more than having to solve problems. Like mm -hmm. how many of us have to run around putting out fires all day long, mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. it's, it's insane that we think that that's the way we should do it. But it's not, you know, yeah. um, you'll burn yourself out, you'll resent your business, mm -hmm. you'll actually hate what you do. Mm -hmm. And nobody started their own business because they hated what they did. Right. They started it because they wanted more and they wanted more freedom and they loved what they did. Maybe they loved the trade. 
you know, the way you describe process reminds me of the word organization. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like you're just creating and bringing organization into the system. Would you say that you were born an organized person? <laughs> I am just, I'm the opposite, actually. I'm yeah. very disorganized, but I think really well. And so that's what Amy also does, is I bring her the idea and how we need to fix it and how we need to do this, 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 this. And then she goes, okay, boom, and it happens. Wow. Right? She makes those things happen. I think, I think you're in a similar position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was not... Uh, naturally born organized at all and a compliment to my husband when we were married we're celebrating our eight-year wedding anniversary now so right so eight years ago well I guess it was last week but we're going out of town celebrating this weekend so it's kind of like the never stopping anniversary celebration of eight years congratulations as it should be thank you but eight years ago you know I was extremely unorganized and Josh said I will never share a closet with Danielle I mean, he, you know, always, always, always thought my closet was just horrific. And it was probably six months ago. He was working late one night, and the kids were doing fine and playing nicely or watching a movie. And I was like, tonight I'm going to tackle my closet. So give that it was about six months ago, I completely purged and reorganized and organized my closet. And to this day, it is still organized. But I said to him, I said, Josh, people can be taught. I was not born organized, but I think because my family wasn't very organized and I was never taught how to be organized, which is having a place for everything, right? But we can learn over time and we never stop learning if we want to be successful in business. And so even just today, I was walking in with my laptop backpack and I thought, oh, every day I set this thing on a chair, at a different chair, and then all throughout the day, I'm going to find my backpack to get things out of it, whether it's a processor or an iPad or a wallet, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I should have a hook right by my desk. Done. That makes so much sense. <laughs> it's so simple. It's so- and, and that's what that book actually talks mm-hmm. about. A lot of what it talks about is that that creating a process to make it so that you can cut two seconds off your day. Yep. And the frustration that comes with, oh, I have to walk over there and find something again, or where's this piece of paper? Mm-hmm. But having a place for everything. Uh, a book that I really love right now called The Founder's Mentality says, a needle can never get lost if there's not a haystack. Yeah. That's <laughs> such a good. That's such a good analogy. I really like that. I do too, and so I remind myself that if there's a haystack on my desk, there's definitely going to be a lost needle. So with processes in our business, it comes down to you know organization. Find what bugs you and stick a process on it. If you, any of you guys listening today, if you do not already have my process writing kit, shoot us an email here at the new flat rate info at menupricing.com. You can email myself, Danielle, at menupricing.com and ask for my process writing kit, and I'll physically mail you um, a clipboard. How we suggest and recommend writing processes in your business is just to have a clipboard with you at all times and then have blank process templates on top of it. And when somebody comes to ask you a question that maybe you shouldn't be the one answering the question because this should be a process that's already figured out, grab your clipboard, walk with that person right away, right then and there, and together write a process to solve that pain point in the business, whether it's inventory, whether it's invoices, uh, whether it's, you know, the paperwork that the techs bring in, whatever it is, take your process and write it and have it done. And then you can have, you can three hole punch it and stick it in a three ring binder. You can have it scanned digital on your computer, however you like to do your organization. Uh, But that's one way that we recommend getting started and I'd be happy to send it to you. Um, Actually, you you did send it to us. Uh, You sent it to Amy, my wife. Awesome. And she implemented that directly into the business. Yay! Right? Like, uh, 
Um, we start it right away. Every time mm -hmm. there's a problem, I'd say, okay, well, then write a process. Mm -hmm. Every single time. Anytime we had a problem with anything, mm -hmm. including angry customers calling, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, the, the, whatever happened, I would say, write a process. Mm -hmm. Write a process. And over time, it just makes it so that... First of all, you start off with like two or three. Right. And then all of a sudden you have this binder, this three ring binder mm -hmm. you're talking about that's mm -hmm. like this thick and you're like, wow, what happened there? Mm -hmm. You know? One of our team members is headed to a trade show next month and they've never been. And so they said, Danielle, what do we do? I said, oh, you don't even have to ask me. Go grab the process binder and read the trade show stuff. Done. And then that freed up my time. More than seven seconds. Oh, yeah. I also found being a really good communicator helps, hmm. you know, like if you can talk to your people in a way that they can understand, I mm -hmm. found that really helps too. It does. Not all of us are natural communicators. We have to kind of work on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So do you have any recommendations on how we can work mm -hmm. on our communication styles? Well, there, there's a lot of good books out there mm -hmm. uh, for it. I probably think my favorite is um, it's called Never Split the Difference mm -hmm. by Christopher Boss. I don't know if you ever heard mm -hmm. of it. I have. But if you haven't, you should really pick it up. It's a life-changing book. Mm -hmm. it, it really teaches you great communication skills, you know, um, how to get people to understand what your ideas are and to bring mm -hmm. them to your side of the table. Mm -hmm. So great processes, great communication, those two things make businesses start spinning like a top, mm -hmm. like really easy. And then you can go do the things that you love instead right. of having to do your business. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, somebody said, well, you know, it's great. You have your own business. Then you can take any time off you want. That's what he said to me. And this was about, <laughs> I don't know, 15 years ago. And I went, who, who could take off? Right. You know, or it's summertime. Yeah. <laughs> it's summertime, right? You can't take off in the summertime. Yeah. We had a, every year, me and my wife had an argument about um, going to her family reunion. It was mm -hmm. in June. And oh. June is the month for heating and air conditioning. Right. So, but now we um, go every year. Wow. Congratulations on that. That's great freedom you've built in your business. Well, today we've talked about time. We've talked about family. We've talked about clarity and communication, process development. Did I say organization? Organization. Yeah, we talked about that too. I really appreciate you being here. I believe that this was a great conversation for people. You know, I'm just proud to let you guys get to know Rob a little bit more. He has much more to his story than that. Um, but he's just a passionate contractor doing what he loves and helping other people along the way. So thank you for spending some time with us and sharing a little bit, just a little bit of your story. I know there's a lot more to tell. Thank you very much for inviting me. Man, I loved hanging out with Rob. As you can see, he's back here playing his ukulele. I'm glad that he brought it for us down here to Dalton, Georgia today. Good job, Rob. But hey, if you wanna to talk to Rob more, uh, maybe you're a fellow contractor and you wanna talk about how he's built these processes in his business, how he's found the freedom to get back to his hobbies and the things that he loves, maybe how he does the hiring that he does in his business. Anything that you might wanna to talk to Rob about, feel free to reach out at senseirob at svcninja.com. And finally, here we go, this week's story time with TNFR. You know, we have a lot of situations where we go in and help people who have had serious health issues, uh, whose family doesn't even believe them. But I got called to a home one time because the lady said that um, her dog was allergic to her house. Okay. <laughs> Cute little dog. I love this dog. 
But anyway, they said the dog was allergic to the house, so I did my normal IAQ, investigate, analyze, and, and quote. And the solution, my, uh, my top option, turned out to be right around $29,000. And they, they chose that option, and, uh, and we fixed the house. And she actually cooked meals for the dog every day, and uh, I love that dog. <laughs> And we just prayed that the dog wouldn't die while we were fixing the house. But, you know, um, I think the homeowners uh, enjoyed the, uh, the, the new environment in the home, too. But they, as far as they were concerned, that dog was allergic to the house. And if we could fix the house. Um, so when you're doing this kind of work, you need to do a good a analysis and, and find out what is causing the problem. This dog... Um, was having a, a reaction, I think, if I remember right, it's been 20 years, um, to the fiberglass uh, that was just kind of free-floating in the air. And I found that in so many homes. Oh, so, yeah. uh, But we changed the environment. The dog was happy and everybody was happy and the, they all lived happily ever after. But my point really is, that's a $29,000 job. Mm -hmm. uh, that was extremely profitable because you're not giving all the money to uh, big name um, pieces of equipment. You're changing the environment by um, by moving insulation, sealing up things, renovating air ducts, uh, bringing in fresh air, like you said, uh, positively pressurizing with, with clean air. You're stopping the pollutants, irritants, allergens, and contaminants from having mm -hmm. free access to the dog, the child, or whatever. So um, over time, you'll find out, you'll come across, these people will find you, and when you solve their problem, they love you. They absolutely love you, and you get paid so well for this kind of work that it's uh, very rewarding, both financially and uh, it's very heartwarming as well. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. The new flat rate is for contractors who believe in doing great work on every job. We focus on service contractors who want to experience financial freedom in their business. Engaging in our training and systems will help you get there. Go to tnfr.us to request more information. Have a great week.